Defenders, and welcome back to another episode of the most LAFC podcast on earth. This is Defenders of the Bank, and it always will be. You know my voice. I am the scarf. J.R. Liebert coming to you live from Lawndale behind or in front of the maybe soon to be world famous scarf wall here in beautiful Lawndale, California and across the interwebs. But right next to me on YouTube as we are recording this on StreamYard, I'm never sure what nickname he's going to go with, but I can tell you he is from beautiful Philomonster Studios, the world famous original home. Actually, I guess it's technically not the original home of Defenders of the Bank. He is one Christian Philly Philomon. I don't know what color to say my hair is because this, if you're looking at it on the YouTube, this is what happens after you dye your hair purple and you wash it for about a month. There's like hints of blue, Charlotte Hornady color type stuff. It's weird, but dude, I'm good. I got the supporter shield and the MLS Cup trophy in the house scarf. Check it out. Supporter yeah. shield, <laughs> MLS Cup. See, we said <laughs> we say that if you had the cup on our last episode, or maybe it was even on one more sleep. You said if you had the cup in your house, the authorities would be looking for you. Not looking for you today, my friend. Uh, no, no, not for this. <laughs> really, tell, tell the millions. And millions. How you acquired such a beautiful, uh, uh, dare I say, replica of the MLS Cup. Oh, it's, uh, it's certainly a, a replica, all right. It's kind of a janky replica, if I do say so myself. Hey, but those that were at the kit launch party today, which, by the way, you didn't require a ticket for. I was only for the game. So from about one till call it what four three thirty, four o'clock, somewhere around there, right around the yep. time they started letting people into Bank of California Stadium. You know, it was a kit launch party. It was fun. People were lining up, not from last night. I think Panda and I got there around 10 15, 10 30. There was three people there. So we had nowhere to go. We had our nice little parking spot, which we only paid fifteen dollars for because I guess the attendant thought we were going to the museum. So we weren't gonna argue with them. You showed up. You paid your 15 bucks. We had nowhere to go. Nobody was tailgating. So what did we do? We went to the California Science Center. We saw the Space Shuttle Endeavor, and we got ourselves some coffee and some snacks. And then we made our way over into the line, which we waited for, I don't know, about 45 or so minutes. Saw a couple of familiar faces. Saw our buddy Mario. We saw our buddy Tony. We saw a soccer head. We saw a bunch of people that we know and love dearingly from the last four or five years. Then the doors crack open and everybody is so excited. But thinking back on it, how excited could we have been knowing that each of us are probably going to spend anywhere at minimum 200 to say, I don't know, six, seven, 800 bucks. That's what happened. And so when you got your Jersey, which by the way, the Jersey, the authentic is, I like it a lot. I mean, you, I'll, I'll reserve any more comments about that. You guys make a uh, decision for yourselves, but you get that. And this is the gift. An MLS Cup trophy that came in a nice MLX, MLX, MLS box. I tried to procure a couple more, but sadly, doesn't matter how many jerseys you bought, it was one per customer. So that's how I came to procure this beautiful thing, along with a jersey, an anthem jacket, a pair of pants, things that I have plenty of, but not green. And now <laughs> I'm mean and in green. Yeah. Oh boy. Listen, the uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna channel. Uh, a certain friend of ours and complain about something, even though there's not a whole lot to complain about. Uh, here's my complaint. Uh, I would the, use the term friend very loosely, Scarf. The uh, the free MLS Cup trophy replica that we got. Uh, I do have a complaint about it. Philly, would you mind, since we're on YouTube, would you show everybody the top of it? Can you can you turn the top so it's towards the, the camera? 
Yeah, there you go. Here's the problem. You should also be very cognizant to describe it to the listeners, Scarf. It's look, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful silver trophy. It is not made by Tiffany, unlike the real one. But uh, there's no way to take a shot out of the cup. I'm a little upset that I can't. We got to find a way, hollow it out. Maybe we'll use a flex power tool and more on them in just a second to uh, to try and hollow out the top there. See if we could somehow maybe take a shot out of uh, out of the MLS Cup. That's that's a that's that's called a a champagne problem, almost literally. Uh, with that one. Uh, I do want to thank our good friends over at Flex Power Tools. You guys know not only are they the front of kit sponsor for this, the smoke screen kit, and of course our home black and gold kit as well. They are a sponsor here of Defenders of the Bank, but they also, Philly, they brought out the cup today in the Flex photo zone, the photo booth. I don't know what they were calling it, but it was pretty sweet. I, for one, hope they have that up all season, a place for us to take a picture with the cup. It was really cool. Uh, so again, episode 231, this one's entitled, You Want That Smoke? Well, that's a shout out to our, our buddy, LAFC Rich. Yep, Uncle Rich, Rich Orozco. Uh, But that being said, it was so cool. People could line up, take pictures with the actual MLS cup outside. You could go right in uh, to the, the north side of the stadium and take a picture, which you and I did with the massive MLS cup there. There, were, there was the big cup. There was the regular cup. There was the little cup that we got. Our, our cup runneth over, uh, dare I say, with uh, time that we were able to spend with the cup. And as Philly mentioned, and Philly, maybe you can find that list again of where the cup is going on tour uh, in just a little bit. We'll talk about that in a second. Look, there was also, Philly, a new scarf to go along with the uh, the new jersey. So you know how happy that makes me feel. <laughs> you should uh, call it a new kit. I know, new kit. Sorry, not new jersey, new kit. Uh, a scarf to go along with a new kit. So, hey, I got to add another scarf to the collection. And and we are going to figure out a way how to do it. We haven't yet figured it out yet. But Philly and I are going to give away one of these new scarves on the podcast. We, we don't know how we're doing it yet, but I've got it right here, Defenders. There's the new scarf. Uh, we're going to give it away here on the podcast. Not sure how. And, Philly, you and I being the New York Metropolitan fans that we are, as soon as I saw the jock tag, the World City, World's Game, I could not help but think about the World's Fair. That's right. The 1964-1965 World's Fair logo, because that jock tag brought me all the way back to the year that Shea Stadium opened up as part of the 1964 World's Fair. If you've seen Men in Black, we're talking about that, that same area where they shot a lot of men. Was that Men in Black or Men in Black? Too? It was Men in Black where the spaceship was for the, uh, the, the the roach alien at the end. That was Flushing Meadow Park, yes. Exactly. Right there, it brought me back to, so we got the World City Worlds game on our jock tag, brought me back to the World's Fair logo. I'll do a post of it later on on Defenders, don't worry. But I absolutely love the jock tag. I think it's my favorite, oh wait, second favorite part because there is, I don't know if you can see it on camera, but no. right, right there. No, can't see it on. Trust me, it's there. That is a beautiful star, Philly, right above the crest. I love it. I, at first, when they had that leaked kit that somebody found in Europe, spotted, snapped the photo, and posted, I didn't like the simple LA on the right above the heart. I was much like many of you questioning why they couldn't have just done the crest. But I think it's kind of cool, actually, because it's something a little different. If they didn't have the star on it, I would have thought otherwise, to be completely honest with you. But I really enjoy the 
the uniqueness of a lot of things with this jersey. It's I think it's pretty. I'm a fan of the color. I know a lot of people are saying black and mold. I, I just think that's <laughs> cold. I really do like this. I love the L.A. part. I love the star aspect on it. If you look on the sides, you got the patches. But it's not like your regular MLS patch. It's the MLS patch that has the MLS cup in it which obviously is unique to us in that respect. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see it on scarves. And just below that, the Apple TV. Hey, they own us, for lack of a better term. A hundred million bucks, we'll take it. It doesn't matter where they put the logo on there. Could have been on the rear end. I would have said, fine, it's all good. It could have been on the forehead, no problem. Then on the other side, Ford. You got the Ford logo, which I think is pretty dope. We didn't stand in line or because it was just crazy. We didn't get the jerseys custom. Were they expensive? Yes. Were discounts applied to those who had been there, 3252, et cetera? Yes. And if you happen to still have any of those holiday gift cards that you may have gotten during the Christmas holiday, I would highly suggest bringing those in because all of the, sh- all the gear, all the swag is a little more costly this season than it has been in previous seasons. But that being said, I love the jersey and the kit launch party. It's cool, man. Had DJ Infrared out front spinning the tunes. You were able to take a picture with the MLS Cup trophy, like you said. That little outdoor bar just across from the entrance for where once free play stood. That was open, so it was pretty neat. And then an hour and a half, 90 minutes before the game, we were allowed into Bank of California Stadium. And God, it felt so good to be back home, baby. And I said, Bank of California Stadium, five bucks. It's going to be a very expensive year between me faux pawing the Ontario Fury name in Bank of California Stadium. (laughs) You just said Ontario Fury. That's funny. Uh, I was using it as an example. That $5 does not count. Look, uh, it was great to be back home. It's going to be interesting. Back home at BMO. uh, Home at BMO. uh, That, look, if everybody complaining what Apple TV is on the side, uh, beware the Ides of March, everybody. March 15th, Ted Lasso Season 3 comes out. If you don't like the Apple TV logo on the side, you're not allowed to watch Ted Lasso. Deal with it. Uh, (laughs) that, That being said, uh, we did get uh, a, a little bit of a video update from the club. Uh, we have decided, the club has decided, that on February 25th, when we bring 75,000 plus to the Rose Bowl, it is going to be a blackout game. That is right. We are yes. going to black out the Rose Bowl. So these beautiful green smokescreen kits that we released today, please do not wear them to the Rose Bowl. Again, this is a public service announcement from Defenders of the Bank. Your friends, Philly and the Scarf, kindly ask you to please black out the Rose Bowl on February 25th. If you are going to the match and you support the black and gold, which why would you be listening to it if you don't? But if you do, and you don't, if you don't support us and you're still listening, thank you. We appreciate your listen. Black out the Rose Bowl, people. Black it out. Philly. Yes. Uh, That being the case, we're obviously going to Pasadena to take on the Carson Galaxy. I just wanted to uh, reference something. Give you a quick state of Carson, because this is good. This is very good. So out of that, out of the 70 plus thousand on there on hand, I firmly believe the fact that obviously it's going to be all LAFC people. If the Galaxy supporters obviously want to boycott, they're doing it at the absolute wrong time in an environment in which the entire country and the entire league will see point blank how black and gold LA really is. So they're just shooting themselves in the foot. And everywhere they've been going between their kit launch party and a couple of other places, their 20 or 30 supporters that fervently believe in this boycott have been in there with toilet paper renderings of Klein out. 
I um, want to read you all a quick excerpt from ESPN.com, something that Greg Vanny said. If you don't know who he is, he's the sporting director and the head coach of the team. And he said, I quote, there are things supporters can impact, and there's things that they're probably not going to impact, Galaxy sporting director and manager Greg Vanny said. And so then it becomes a distraction because it's not going to change anything. I hope that there's resolution and the supporters groups who are really important to all of us and to the players find the right way, whatever the resolution is for them to show up, because it's probably not going to be Chris out. Wow. Wow. This is so entertaining watching things implode down the 110. I feel like the big like cockroach spider and family guy who's sitting on the on the lazy boy going good. This is going to be really interesting. I thought it was important for all of you to know that just in case you didn't see the ESPN.com article because it is hilarious. This club is imploding upon our very eyes. Look, shout out to Jeff Carlisle on that one. Two takeaways from that. One, Philly learned how to read. But number two, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's yeah. pretty blatant how much the Galaxy front office is telling the supporters groups, look, the, nothing you're doing right now matters to the state of the club and their front office. That's a that's a massive statement to make. I, I'm going to say this. I have a I have a prediction. This will be your first Scarfstradamus prediction of 2023. The Scarfstradamus does predict, however, that there is going to be some sort of kumbaya moment between the uh, supporters groups right before the Rose Bowl, and they are going to magically decide that, oh, you know what, We're, we'll come together for the Rose Bowl for the good of the team to, to show the players on the pitch that we support them, but, you know, bleep the front office or whatever it is they're going to say. But watch, watch. Mark my words, says Scarf Stradamus. These supporters groups are going to come together at the 11th hour, and they're going to say, look, we need to support the players on the pitch. Uh, it is not their fault that insert statement about how they feel about the club here. I bet. Because, look, what we know, Philly, is that this match at the Rose Bowl is very likely to set the MLS attendance record. Like you just mentioned, it's the eyes of the entire nation. This is the MLS Cup. This is the MLS. It may be not even just the game of the week or the, the opening game of their season. This might be the game of the year in terms of the crowd, in terms of the atmosphere, we know that the chorus of the black and gold, the 3252, are going to bring it. It is going to be incredible. And just imagine if we can get out to maybe a one or a two goal lead. Maybe Denny Bawanga has a little magic. Maybe Carlos Vela finds the left foot of God. Maybe Mahala finds something in the back of the net. Maybe Sifu with a rocket from the outside. Maybe it's a header by the Italian stallion himself, Giorgio Chiellini. I'm just so excited for this match. And if we get out to a one or a two goal lead at halftime and all of a sudden, all of those Herbalife kits go running for the exits because you know what? Let's beat the traffic. It's the Rose Bowl. It's a nightmare to get in and out. This is why we don't play there anymore. Say the Galaxy fans, have a great trip to the Rose Bowl. I think it's going to be all good things. Shout out to our friends at All Good Things. I think it's going to be all good things for LAFC in this match. I cannot wait. We'll talk a lot more about the Rose Bowl later on, but don't forget, black out the Rose Bowl if you are going. Philly, we have not one, not two, but three people to wish a very happy birthday to. Jesus David Murillo is 29. 
You don't have your headphones on. Could you hear the applause? Oh, no, I absolutely have my headphones on. That was nice and loud. Thank you, sir. Uh, oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah. 29 years old, Jesus David Murillo, born February 18th. That's today. We're recording this episode Saturday, February 18th. Uh, Abraham Romero, also his birthday. He's 25 years old. Oh, to be either 29 or 25. And then tomorrow, Philly, our intrepid leader, our head coach, Steve Terundolo, is celebrating his birthday. I'm not going to out Steve and say how old Steve is turning. But that being said, happy birthday to Jesus. Abraham and Steve. Happy birthday. They, they don't call you the best color man in the business for nothing. I uh, want to give a, a quick shout out to Larry and Stacy for the wonderful favor. And you know what you did. And I love you for it. Uh, Billy, let's remind you. I don't even know what they time. did. So the fenders, I'm with you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you do. We talked about it earlier. Uh, I've learned two I've- things with y'all defenders. One, that there was a favor done by Larry and Stacy, And two, that we're raffling off a scarf. So I am certainly among the millions. And millions. At this very moment, question marks galore. <laughs> uh, we do want to remind everybody, please, and this is actually, this is this is our, our most serious thing that we like to talk about here. The Mauricio Fascio Futsal Court fundraising effort in Southeast LA is still unfortunately underway. And the reason why it's still underway is because we haven't fundraised enough to build the damn court in Moe's honor. People, please go to the link in our bio, LAFC. I changed it. I changed it. I changed oh. it. Okay, I'll, I'll rechange it. Yeah, I was right. just trying to point the millions and millions to our YouTube page, considering it's brand new and we're putting certain things there. So no, I'll I periodically change it. But yeah, there's uh, it's not there as of right now. Maybe by That's the time okay. you listen to it, it'll be. Listen, e- either way, go to lafc.com backslash mo hyphen fascio f a s c i o. You can donate right there as well directly to the foundation. We need to get this futsal court built in Mo's honor in Southeast LA. Again, lafc.com backslash Mo hyphen Fascio, F-A-S-C-I-O. Look, every time that you, you get an extra couple bucks and you think, you know what? I, I want to do something good with this. Just hop onto that website, hop onto that link, donate to the futsal court. If everybody donated one or two or three dollars every time they heard us talk about it, we'd have this thing built. It'd be a whole complex built in Mo's honor, let alone just the one court. So everybody, please head on over to lafc.com backslash mo hyphen Fascio and donate to the futsal court. Uh, that being said, Philly, uh, we do like to do a little segment here called This Day in LAFC History where we, we don't just talk about birthdays, but we actually talk about things that happen in LAFC history on the day that we record. And of course, we are recording, like I said, Saturday, February 18th. It is about 9.45 p.m. and we're rolling right along. On this date in 2018, our inaugural season, we played our third ever preseason match in team history, and it was a 4-4 tie to none other than the Vancouver Whitecaps. Not a big fan of their new kit, by the way, this season. No, it Carlos, sucks. <laughs> Carlos Vela scored his first two goals in LAFC history. They didn't count because they're preseason but it took him just three minutes into the match to get his first and then a 78th minute PK, a brace for Carlos Latif blessing. Oh, so sad. Latif blessing with a goal for LAFC and an own goal by Jacob Nerwinski rounded out the scoring for LAFC. It was a four, four draw in our third ever preseason match, February 18th, 2018. And in 2019 on this date, one year later, 
LAFC acquires Pablo Cisniega in a transfer from Real Sociedad, the second best player that LAFC has ever acquired with Real Sociedad experience. Of course, the first being Carlos Vela. So that being the case, that is the end of this day in LAFC history. Philly, this next segment is where we talk about news and notes with the club. We also do something called the Angel City Minute. Well, we've got no news and notes with the club, but we do have something for the Angel City Minute. Unfortunately, Philly, none of us will be able to partake in this. If you guys aren't following, by the way, the Angel City Chicks at Angel City Chicks on all your social media, please make sure you are. Philly, we're going to miss the international friendly versus Club America Femenil on March 8th at BMO Stadium because that's the same day that LAFC plays in Costa Rica versus Alajolense. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know what you want me to say about that. <laughs> that's that's the end of our news and notes segment. Let's get right into it, Philly. San Diego yeah. Loyal, USL, they're the second best team in the West, one of the top maybe five or six teams in all the USL, comes on to over to BMO Stadium, and, and, and we get to we get to see our friend Jerry Jimenez in the North End. Which was interesting considering the fact that he was an integral part of creating the San Diego Locals, which is their version of the 3252. He was in the North End, right with Joseph Zacker, and Jerry brought his wife, and they were wearing LAFC gear. So whether or not that's going to create some dissension among his his people down in San Diego, I don't know. But fact of the matter is Jerry was black and gold before he was orange and whatever that shade of blue is it was nice to see the pod father and get a chance to talk to him unfortunately because well we were running around doing a whole bunch of other stuff but it was nice to see him on the big screen in bank of california stadium and for those who weren't aware that this game was going on it happened for those of you wondering how to get <laughs> tickets for it um what basically was the case was season ticket holders which make up approximately 18,000 of the 22,000 seats in bank of california stadium were sent an email and in that email, you had the option to opt in for up to four tickets. If you think about that, you would have assumed that Bank of Cal- five bucks, that BMO Stadium would have been packed. It was not. It was not. It looked like a U.S. Open Cup game in the early rounds against your Sacramento Republics of the world or your Fresno FCs if you go back to 2018. It wasn't that crowded in the arena. I would have anticipated a much, much bigger crowd They closed off founders. They closed off fields and people were allowed to pretty much line up all around the stadium. The North end wasn't entirely full. We decided to sit and fig because it was the only area there with a bar and we enjoy the center part of it. We usually hang out center pitch in fig with these general admissions, but all around the stadium, there were pockets of it where it was filled. The 134 section, which is typically reserved for family and friends of the players, that was for the most part packed. You had a fair amount of people in the south end. The fig area was kind of packed. But if I had to put my money on it, I would have said maybe 10,000 people. Somewhere between eight and 10,000 people were at the stadium today. Not the biggest crowd that I anticipated, but everybody's saving their gas, their energy, and their mustard for the takeover, the blackout of the Rose Bowl. So... Not blaming anybody for being not being there, but it was nice, Scarf. It was like the first day of school. Yep. Everybody's like excited. They got their fresh clothes. Everybody's sporting the, the new gear, the, the, the jersey, the jackets, the hats, the black kits with the stars on it. It was fun. It was nice going into the bank with a relaxed vibe. 
The last time we were all there was obviously that we were excited and we were tense having engaged in battle with the Philadelphia Union for the MLS Cup. So it's a completely different turn in, uh, of emotion. But it's the only time that we're going to get to go to Bank of California Stadium for the rest of – there's another five bucks. <laughs> it's the only time we're going to get to BMO <laughs> Stadium. This by the end of this episode, my man. Yeah, I mean, I'm probably, what, like 20 bucks in already. Uh, that's $5 <laughs> for every time we say Bank of California. That time didn't count. I was using that as an example. But every game from here on out, it means business. We're looking to do some major things. We're going to tell you what we saw, what our thoughts were during this pre uh, of this preseason match with the San Diego Loyal. But yeah, it's time to get down to business. We're a week away from the start of the season. I can't wait. This is uh, this is it, man. Quote the band Europe. It's the final countdown. We're about ready to go to war with Major League Soccer. Yeah, man. You mentioned the Fresno FC Somozoros. They lasted a whole two seasons before they I have one of their them, scarfs right? in that closet back there. Do you really have a Fresno Foxes scarf? I don't remember who got it. I, it might have been Frank who sits with us uh, in Founders because, I mean, yeah. they're up by Fresno. Uh, that's where I might have gotten it from. We got a lot of USL scarves early on. Also, our friend Nick, uh, the big guy, he gave us those speed driving scarves, if you remember, 2018. Now I look at it, and it's pretty cool to have them. I have some Las Vegas light scarves. I, I, I like scarves. I like collecting them just as much as you, although I don't have as many on my wall as you do. All yours is LAFC. Mine's all indoor soccer because of the season <laughs> and the show I do. But Lord only knows how many scarves, LAFC scarves I have. But I haven't collected in two years. Anyway, I digress. Let's go on. Yeah, yeah man. Look, it, it was uh, – I just remember that game. Man, they played us really tough in that game. That was fun. Uh, Somos Zoros, Fresno FC. Uh, that being said, yeah, Philly, it was a uh, almost a, a starting 18 or starting 11 vibe uh, with LAFC taking on the San Diego Loyal. Uh, let's let's talk real quick, Philly. A uh, couple players that we were there to watch for San Diego Loyal, obviously Alejandro Guido, number 10, starting in the midfield. And, and look, he lived up to all the hype and all the billing. I think he was – they brought him in to be – a scorer for them, a playmaker for them, and I thought he looked pretty good. We're not going to go blow, blow by blow uh, for the entire 90 minutes of this match, but but I, I definitely think that uh, that he was one of their more effective, in air quotes, offensive weapons because I don't think they had very many at all, uh, but he was also obviously there with LAFC ties. Uh, and, and the other player, you didn't want to break the news yesterday, but we can talk about it now because he was there yep. in the match wearing number – 47, the pride of Loyola Marymount University. And I don't have to put $5 in the jar to say the former Ontario Fury and Empire Strikers player. Uh, Not officially yet. Well, but he he played with both teams, didn't he? Didn't he? I don't know. Uh, Number 47, Adrian Perez. Yes, it was Alejandro Guido has been a member of the San Diego Loyal for a couple of seasons now. He... As we stated on many podcasts, he did not get very many, if actually any minutes, with LAFC. We jokingly refer to him as the ghost. He he vanished and found a home in San Diego and has been doing very well. War number 10, scored a bunch of goals with them in, in, this, in the 60 games there. It was nice to see him out there. That was a familiar face. Adrian Perez talked to see him until the 77th minute, although in the 13 minutes action he had, he actually looked pretty solid. As far as the rest of San Diego's lineup, they didn't announce it during the game. There was nothing on the board. If you go to San Diego Loyal's Twitter, they retweeted who our starting lineup was. 
We weren't told who was going to start for them. We know Nick Moon was in the lineup and more on him later. Uh, I believe Thomas Amang was in there, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that Kyle Adams was in the lineup. But that's all that I'm I'm completely certain with. Kyle Adams, you can spot from a million miles away because he's got the best hair out of anybody on the field. So that's how you were able to spot Kyle Adams. White dude, long blonde hair, defender. So that was the San Diego Loyal. And as Scarf mentioned on the last podcast, this is a team that finished second place in the Western Conference in the USL last season and had the second most goals out of anybody next to and underneath the Tampa Bay Rowdies. So a team that is solid as far as second division standards are concerned. Yeah, uh, number 21, Ebenezer Akon, or Akon, uh, who I thought should have had a second yellow card Ebenezer. in the match. Uh, <laughs> uh, I thought he, thought he definitely he earned one yellow at some point, uh, should have earned a second, but I think it was one of those where the referee actually brought everybody together and, and said, look, this is a preseason friendly. We're not going to do this. Uh, not going to give you a red, but he probably earned it. If this is a regular season match, another USL or MLS is going to get it. Uh, let's talk about the the lineup for LAFC. Of course, we expected John McCarthy in goal. Uh, the back line, no surprise to any of us in terms of who started with Cheeky, Chiellini, Murray, and Ryan Hollingshead. But Philly, no Aaron Long in the 18, perhaps to give him a little bit of a, a break. But in, uh, I'll say it, I mean, why not, Philly? And what I think was the wait. What? what? There it Delay. is. Uh, that was That was perfect. Uh, moment of at least the the preseason for us was no Ilya Sanchez anywhere to be found. Not in the 18, certainly not in the 11. It was Timothy Tillman, who, by the way, we'll talk about him at the at the end of our breakdown. But Timothy Tillman getting the start, wearing number 11 for LAFC, along with Sifu and Kellen Acosta and Philly, Carlos, Denny, and Mahala up top. So, with the exception of your Aaron Long. And your Timothy Tillman, I assume that this is going to be the starting lineup against Carson on February the 25th. I do believe, and we'll talk about him later, Mahala is still going to be the starter up top. And after today's performance, quite honestly, I think it's his job to lose. We'll talk more on that later. But a very formidable starting lineup nonetheless. Timothy Tillman certainly impressed with his speed. A 24-year-old youngster from Germany who has U.S. and German citizenship was in there. I was surprised not to see Aaron Long. But alas, I think Giorgio Chiellini, when he's up to it, Scarf, is going to get the start when he goes out and tells Steve he wants to play and he's ready to run. I think Aaron Long still is going to have to prove himself a little bit. He will be the starter. At the end, but on games where Giorgio wants to play, I believe Steve will start him. Keep him as long as Giorgio wants to go. If he's going to sub him out 60th, 65th minute, subbing in Aaron Long. But I think Giorgio Chiellini starts on the days that the espresso hits him hits him the right way. Yeah, I, I actually think it could be a little different this season. You and I are going to go back and forth on this. I think Aaron Long may get a lot of the starts, but... I think much in the way that Mariano Rivera or Edwin Diaz or the great Eric Gagne used to come in for the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think Chiellini might Not actually Wagner. I mean, look, I love Daddy Wags. He was great. Uh, way more than I liked Armando Benitez, but this is not a mess oh. podcast. Uh, I think that Chiellini could be our closer at some point, so I think we might see Aaron Long getting some significant minutes. Uh, we want to thank the good uh, our good friends over at Shoulder to Shoulder, their crack research team and what I believe 
is is a correct stat. I'm going with it. So if if they're wrong, I'm wrong too. Because uh, I Reimer doesn't mess up stats. No, I think this might be true. Uh, we're going with it. Abraham Romero, whose birthday it was again. Happy 25th birthday to Abraham Romero. Making the 18 makes it, I believe, him the first player who has Los Gross ties to actually make the 18 for LAFC. And if you're not familiar with Los Gross, that is the nickname that we lovingly call Galaxy 2, or the Deuce, as we also like to call them. Uh, that, I the believe, turds. That works too. I believe Abraham Romero is the first player in LAFC history to make the 18 for LAFC after having previously played with Galaxy 2. Again, uh, I'd love for somebody else to let us know if we're wrong. Still, no player in the history of our first six years has played for both LAFC and Galaxy, the big clubs, uh, at, at any point in their careers. So, wait, wait, wait. Repeat that one more time. Uh, no player who has played for the Galaxy previously has ever played gotcha. for LAFC. Because, of course, we do have Raheem Edwards and Nico Hamalainen. Who there have you played go. Okay. I dyslexia. Gotcha. Right, right, right. But no player has gone from there to us. His, his Coaching staff. staff, on the other hand, front office staff, on the other hand, broadcast, on the other hand, have. For sure. But nobody on the pitch So hey, we're going with it. Uh, look, it, this was it, it was a it was a fun match, but Philly, I think you and I uh, are in agreement by saying that LAFC controlled eighty seven of the ninety minutes, if not more, in this match. Completely agreed. It looked like a varsity team versus a JV team, or in this case, yeah. it looked like a college team versus a JV team, or in this case, it looked like an MLS team versus a USL team. There was a distinct difference in talent on the field. At no point did I feel that the San Diego Loyal were going, were dominating the game, maintaining possession, even moving the ball and stringing a couple of passes along nicely. They did manage to get themselves on the board, but it came as a result mainly of an LAFC mistake. More on that later. At no point did I feel threatened or challenged, although there was one moment, Scarf, where the ghost came darn close to getting it in the back of the net. He missed by nose hairs. Now, John McCarthy might have gotten some paws on it, but Alejandro Guido arguably had the best shot for the loyal all game with the exception of Nick Moon, who we'll talk about. But I would agree with you. At no point did they seem like a threat whatsoever. And if I'm the head coach of the San Diego loyal going into this game, I'm going to fire my boys up and let them know, hey, look, you want to make it to the big leagues? This is the team to beat. This is the defending champions. You go out there, guns a-blazing, man. I want to see what you guys are worth. And they certainly came out that way, but fact of the matter is they were completely mismatched and there was a complete difference in raw talent, sheer talent and ability. It didn't take long for us to figure that out. Look, we've seen USL and even like USL two teams, best shots. I mean, some of those matches we've played Sacramento Republic has played us extremely tough. That game against Fresno, again, extremely tough. We've seen teams, best shots. I was actually completely surprised at the lack of any real challenge or effort for most of the time. Maybe it's just that Giorgio Chiellini is that good on the back line, or maybe it's just that our midfield controlled the match, especially Timothy Tillman, who looked really, really good today. Uh, Kellen Acosta was fantastic. 
uh, you know, Sifu was Sifu. Maybe it's just that Carlos Vela and Denny Bawanga and, and Mahala, they really seem to have good connection all the way up top. But uh, I, I agree, Philly, I was shocked that we didn't get more of a challenge from San Diego Loyal. You, you're right. This is a, a team. It's at least a city, right, with MLS aspirations. I think we talked about that either on our last episode or One More Sleep. I don't remember at this point. But either way, this is a city that desperately would love to have an MLS team. And I'm telling you, if they just bring the Loyal up, now good. Granted, we didn't start – they didn't start Joe Corona, who has significant MLS experience. They didn't start Blake Bodily, a couple couple of players that we had mentioned – with with previous LAFC experience, MLS experience, excuse me, but but man, that it was it was a one sided affair for for most of the ninety minutes. And look, it, it didn't take long twenty one minutes uh, before Carlos announces his presence with authority. It was a beautiful cross from one Mahala Apoku Philly, and we go up one nothing on a Carlos Vela header. Gorgeous cross by Mahala. Mahala was very impressive in this game. Throughout the entire game, for that matter, Mahala looked really, really good. I know people are very high on Stipe Buick. He came into the game, and yes, he did play a little bit. But Mahala, he looks like he slimmed down a little bit. He looks like he's faster. He certainly is much better. And he was good last year with dribbling and getting past defenders. He looked outstanding in this game and he had a beautiful cross connected with the captain 20, like you said, 21 minutes in. And that was exciting. It's the first time we got to see our boys celebrate wearing the smoke Jersey. And of course the 3252 pulled out the smoke and it was green. And <laughs> there was one corner of the North end where everybody was wearing the green jerseys. But when you flash the camera on there, saw a lot of those where the weed scarves at, and it just, it looked really Really cool seeing the green smoke, the smoke jerseys, and the wear the weed at scarf. I just think it looked picturesque and beautiful. Great way, though, to start things off. We got to witness Carlos Vela, who even though in a preseason match, he didn't take his foot off the gas, man. Carlos Vela clearly played like a motivated player. Look, I want to say this, too. Uh, shout out to our, our buddy Keaton uh, of the 42 Originals. I- I'm going to say this. All of them, bro. All of the 42 OGs. No, for sure. I, I just know Keaton's had a he's – he's been through a lot in the last year or two, man. He, he's had a lot yeah. go on. And, and I, I talked to them a little bit after the game. And I am so happy for Keaton and, and the 42 Originals. It is, it is not like the club designed the jersey for them. But it's like the club designed the jersey for them. I mean, I am – what the Luckies must have felt when we came out with that green hat, the St. Patrick's Day hat, right? Can you imagine? I mean, the this jersey, this kit is is just tailor made. It was one of the funnier things I saw, right? Instead of the smoke screen kit, it says the where's the weed at kit, right? It, like, <laughs> and, and look, regardless of, regardless of how you feel about, you know, all, everything that the 42 originals do on the side for extracurricular activities, what you have to know is they were they were basically founded by Keaton and 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 the rest of the guys in that group and Keaton is and I and I, I know y'all hear me say this, but literally, and I mean this, one of the nicest people you will ever meet works really hard, not just for his supporters group, but for the club. And yeah, and it's just it's been so great to see his reaction. And and 
I was just so happy for him, man. We love we love all of you guys in the forty two originals, but Keaton, especially especially for you, man, for for sure. Um, it, that was it was just really cool. But you're absolutely right. They were they were decked out. I mean, dressed to the nines in the North End, and and look, that scarf has been retired, right? So it's a it's a collector's item too. They have put that scarf in the vault. There, that means there's going to be a new scarf from the forty two originals, which will be fun. I got to make sure to add that to the collection and maybe put it up here on the wall, but. But that being said, uh, I just I'm really happy for Keaton because I know uh, I, I like to see good people have good things happen to them and get good breaks. And he certainly uh, this kit was a, a happy little accident, as Bob Ross would say, for uh, the 42 originals. So, um, yeah. look, 38th minute, uh, mm-hmm. Murray. I don't know. Like every now and then, Murray reminds me a little bit of Tyler Miller, where he just goes on walkabout oh. for a little bit, oh. and he's. It's all the way up the pitch, sometimes in the middle. And and look, I'm going to recant any of the negative things I say about Murray later on because he actually made a, a beautiful pass later on in the game. But there are just some times where, look, we play Cheeky Palacios so high up and we play Ryan Hollingshead so high up. And, and we've seen time and time again, I personally think the best passing center back that I have ever seen period, is number 14, Giorgio Chiellini. So if we are asking those three guys to do so much on the back line, it seems like every time we push Murray up and there's some sort of maybe ill-timed pass or ill-placed pass, that that's where teams catch us on the counter. And Philly, in the 38th minute, that is exactly what the San Diego Loyal did. Will you please educate the good fans and supporters and listeners of Defenders of the Bank on one Nick Moon? Number 20, Nick Moon was given so much space with nobody directly in front of him. And he made one heck of a run and he absolutely caught John McCarthy. He tied the game. That play was broken down, like you said, from, from the, uh, the turnover by, by Murray, which, which is unfortunate. Nick Moon is a player who's spent his entire career within the USL. I mean, sometime... Uh, with obviously now with the San Diego Loyal, played with the Indy 11, an Indianapolis team I'm somewhat familiar with. Played with the Fresno Fuego from Waukesha, Wisconsin, 26-year-old fullback, and he looked really good on his run. He had plenty of space, and he had the killer instinct to, to thread the netting. He absolutely blasted it. John McCarthy saw it, did everything that he could, but alas, it was just basically him and one player, and Nick Moon scores. Couldn't believe my eyes, quite honestly. And a lot of people in the stadium didn't get a chance to see it either because we're approaching the 40th minute. Some people figured, let me go to the bathroom before the rush. Let me go get another drink before the rush. As they got up there, boom, a lot of people missed Nick Moon scoring a very pretty goal. And just like that, the San Diego Loyal tied the game. And you got to feel pretty good being on that team, having tied the reigning defending MLS Cup champions going into the locker room. Not a good look for LAFC, but as we said earlier on, this isn't a team that held possession, that created anything. It was just literally a turnover that led to a really quick counter, uncontested, and, well, Nick Moon buried it, which is exactly what a striker needs to do. So 1-1 heading into the locker room. Yeah, and right before the half, I mean, we had that corner kick with Kellen Acosta, that ball pinballing around in the box. We could have had two or three people get a touch on that and could have gone up right there at the half. We did not. Uh, that being said, not many changes uh, until, what, are we like the hour mark or so, I think is when we started yeah, making no, changes. Six, 
Same lineup, yeah, going into the going into the second half. But but that being said, San Diego as well. This this might surprise some of you. I don't know if you've ever heard me say this before on the podcast. I love Giorgio Chiellini so much. Oh my god, I love that man. Look, there is a Gigi love Buffon's fest. getting jealous. Look, look, Gigi Buffon's a little too old for me now. It's got to be Giorgio Chiellini. There is you don't like guys in their forties. Scarf, come on, I be hanging out. I'm about to be one. There is uh, there <laughs> yeah, is nothing are. I love more than watching Giorgio Chiellini play for LAFC and. Whether it's him complaining about getting hit in the junk by one of the players and them them laughing, that was Alejandro Guido and, yeah, uh, yeah. and Chiellini that connected there, uh, or or whether it's the way he helped players up after he absolutely undresses them on like a nice tackle or something great. He is a mood. I would love to be the espresso in his cup for just one day. That man is amazing. I love George. Well, well, you know what happens to liquids when you consume them, Scarf? You've got to go through a lot of different body <laughs> Listen, parts. So that's what you want. All are, more power to you. We are not discussing anything related to that. There was enough of that at the game. And if you weren't there, you missed <laughs> out. But in the 57th minute, an absolutely perfect ball from one Giorgio Chiellini to you mentioned it, a player who played a very, very solid game today, Mahala Opoku. I mean, the pass was perfect. Chiellini has the best touch of any center back I have ever seen. Philly, we are back up. 2-1 before any changes were made. And, I mean, look, the Loyal kept coming to – they were trying to do stuff. I I, I just – you said it before, and I'll repeat what you said. At no point in this match did you ever feel like they posed a threat. I felt like it was the Big Lebowski. These men are nihilist, Donnie. They pose no threat. That was the San Diego Loyal. I completely agree. The fact that they tied it, still not worrisome because it occurred off of a mistake. And so that wasn't a mistake because it was a learning scenario for, for Murray. Although Murray does get beat in a crucial play that could have led to another San Diego goal. Um, we'll talk about that momentarily. But yeah, not they couldn't string together more than three, four consecutive passes. Alejandro Guido had the best shot that they had other than Nick Moon. Guido had a nice turn, curled it, nearly beat McCarthy. I mentioned that earlier on. But that was really it. That yeah. was all of their offense throughout the entire game. One shot that nearly converted and a turnover that led into a goal. But Mahala, Mahala was really, really good and very clinical on his finish, man. It was a beautiful goal, and he just looks like a completely different player than he did last season. From the time he came to the club in those preseason games back in 2020, up until now, it's like you've seen the young man turn into an actual, like, Man, like there's no, he has a young, I mean, everybody's young compared to us, but he's a completely different player. <laughs> he looks faster. His dribbling is more efficient. I mean, he does turn the ball over from time to time. We saw him make a couple of sloppy passes, but he's a constant threat on the attack. Anytime he gets the ball within that, that third of the field, he, he's going to make a play. And he looked really good slicing and dicing through a little, uh, through, uh, I can't speak, slicing and dicing through that San Diego loyal back line. It was, it was a joy to watch him play. And I do firmly believe he is going to be a starter for the time being. Yeah, look, I, I, we've said it on the pod uh, before. I think it's Mahala's job to lose. I think Steve Abuke is coming, though. He is very, very good. But I, I, I agree with you. It'll be Mahala's job. At the start of the Wait, season. Hold on, sorry. Well, can you repeat that last sentence just one more time? <laughs> I, I do agree with you. You're you're I believe you're right, Philly. So that's that, what it uh, feels like. <laughs> <laughs> I feel uh, like look, we didn't have any giggity goals, but we almost had a giggity sub in the 68th minute for LAFC. 
uh, Daniil Maldonado and Steve Abuke coming on for Giorgio and Mahala. Uh, and then, you know what? Alejandro Guido, in addition to the near miss, he got into the stat book with a yellow card in the 71st minute. So congrats to Alejandro Guido. I know it felt good to finally play during a match uh, at not Bank California Stadium anymore, but BMO. Uh, His time it would have been, though, so you would have been okay. You wouldn't have had to put a, an Abraham Lincoln anywhere for that one. There you go. We got Sifu with a yellow as well in the 73rd. And then Philly, a line change for San Diego and a small change for LAFC in the 76th and 77th, including... San Diego put the entire, the rest of the team in. Yeah, including our, our boy, number 47. How nice was it to see Adrian Perez back at the bank? So I've had the privilege of watching Adrian Perez because he's been part of the Empire Strikers for a couple of weeks or a month or I don't even know how much time at this point. He looks great indoor and he looked great outdoor. Funny, it's how while he was at LAFC, we called him indoor Perez. And when he was playing with the Strikers, we jokingly on our broadcast refer to him as outdoor Perez. Outdoor Perez was out and doing his thing. He strung together a couple of nice passes. I felt that anytime Adrian Perez was on the ball, he was a threat. And we, we talked about Murray. Adrian Perez absolutely stuffed him in his back pocket and had a beautiful cross that connected well, unfortunately, to nobody. But how he got by Murray, that's that's some vintage Adrian Perez stuff. Adrian Perez, when healthy, can be a really, really good forward in Major League Soccer. I don't envision him being a, an all-star, but he's a guy who can certainly find a roster spot. So if he, you could say his fall from grace going from LAFC and DC United back to the major arena soccer league, not a USL. I still think the kid's got a future ahead of him outdoors in MLS. He's only 27 years old. And in the 13 minutes that he played, he played very well. And he, like I said, anytime he got the ball, he was a threat. Strung together passes really good with his dribbling. I, I enjoyed watching Adrian Perez play for all the 13 minutes that he did. Yeah, you know, speaking of players that I think you and I both enjoyed watching play, Sergi Palencia, who came in for Ryan yes. Hollingshead. Uh, I, I think the defensive play of the match, because yes, there really absolutely. wasn't that many that we were tested on, right, Philly, was was his play in the 82nd minute. Uh, a great job to track back and, and snuff out an offensive threat. There were very few threats that San Diego Loyal put into their own attacking third, but Sergey Palencia in the 82nd minute, uh, he, he was he was good, man. Yeah, he, he was. He he continues to impress. I, I I see a lot of minutes coming from him as the season matures. He looks pretty good out there. I think for a lot of these guys, and Stipe Buk and Daniel Maldonado being examples of it, they they're still new to our club. They still have the system to learn, which obviously they're doing, and it's probably you know, like second nature to them. But more importantly, it's for them to build chemistry with the team in, in serious moments. It's one thing to connect in practice and play well. It's another thing to connect during preseason games. It's uh, it's the amount of time that they're going to get connecting with these guys and building chemistry with them while a major league soccer season comes through. And as they're going to see, because there is a stigma for those that play in Europe, as to what Major League Soccer is. Major League Soccer is a lot rougher and tougher than a lot of people give it credit for. So depending on how many minutes these kids get, they're going to see what MLS is like, and they're going to they're going to have to adjust relatively quickly because it's, uh, it's not a cupcake league, my man. It's not what it was back in 96 when, you know, you had 10 teams and there was one dominant team or two dominant teams among the 10. When you had a 10% chance of winning the MLS Cup and you bragged about it for so many years being the first to whatever, I'm not even thinking anybody. No, when, I'm obviously when, not. When but. Andrew Shue could make the MLS, actor Andrew Shue. 
made the MLS. Uh, look, that was the, that was that was back in MLS 1.0. I believe we are several versions updated from there. Philly, I, I get to talk about it because it happened in the 83rd minute. It's a scarf goal. That's right. From none other than Denny Bawanga. And every time he scores a goal, you guys know what's coming. Kawabonga, baby. That's right. 83rd minute. And of all players to make the beautiful pass, a player who I say has way too heavy of a touch sometimes and finds himself going on walkabout every now and then, Scarf has to shut up because it was Jesus David Murillo with a beautiful pass to Denny Bawanga, a step over for the goal. It was a nice step over there on the right-hand side and then absolutely blasted in the back of the net. And Philly, you and I have to say something nice about the pro referees, at least this time, because we certainly give them all kinds of hell when they're awful, and they are awful. But if they did not allow the play on, because there was a foul behind the play and Murray was there to collect the ball, if pro in the in the hot pink uniforms, by the way, uh, does not allow that play on, then Murray doesn't make that pass to Buanga, and it is not 3-1. And who knows? Maybe they get a late goal. Maybe the Loyals start feeling themselves a little bit, but 3-1 feels a lot worse than 2-1 going into the 84th, 85th minute. So shout-out to Pro, shout-out to Mario, and Denny Bawanga looks great. He, he does. We we learned for multiple reasons how much – Denny Bwanga is the ish for, for multiple <laughs> reasons, one of which obviously is his ability to muscle defenders away from him as he's on his counter, uh, finishing, fancy footwork, dribbling. I mean, there were a couple of times where he was in the box and he absolutely undressed some of these defenders. I mean, Denny Bwanga is going to be a beast. He scored, what, four goals in our three preseason games? The one time, uh, again, in that very first match that we had, he scored the brace against Toronto, and then he had another one today against the San Diego Loyal. I know everybody misses Chicho Arango. I miss him, too. We certainly thank you, Chicho, for coming on the Instagram Lives. It's nice to see your your handle get on there, but I think Denny Buanga is going to make us not forget, not quickly forget, but I think Danny Buanga is going to be our biggest offensive threat. Carlos Vela is going to be there. Mahal is going to be there. But, man, Danny Buanga is going to put up some numbers, bro. Four goals in three games. I think it's just only going to continue. I'm all about the Buanga bombs, baby. You're Kawa Buanga. Buanga bomb for me. That's what I'm going to call it. Yeah, look, I uh, I parked the Brian bus quite some time ago, but it's time to ride the Bawanga bus, baby. I can't wait. Look, you guys are going to get sick of me saying the phrase Kawabwanga left and right, but I will be bringing it. It, it will is be winning. Just, absolutely, we're going to be winning. I, I cannot wait to see what happens with Denny Bawanga this season. I think he is going to be a very, very special player and in the hunt, if not in the lead for the golden boot, all season. That's going to be a lot of fun. Look, uh, 90 minutes, 3-1, LAFC. I, I, want to, uh, I want to highlight something, though, Philly, about our preseason. We played Real Salt Lake, D.C. United, Toronto FC, and the San Diego Loyal. There aren't many, quote-unquote, cupcake matchups or, or matchups that, that are, are designed to not be stressful in Major League Soccer preseason. But let me tell you, those four teams, I believe those four teams were almost hand-picked. I mean, we're talking about four teams, especially last year's Wooden Spoon winner, the D.C. United, a team that doesn't even use all three of their DP spots in Real Salt Lake, 
a team that is trying to figure things out and building LAFC North up in Toronto with Mark Anthony K, Tomas Romero, Adama Diamande, Mike Sorber, and Bob Bradley. And then the San Diego Loyal, who absolutely got beaten all over the park today by LAFC. This was not a preseason designed to test the medal of the 2022 MLS Cup champions. It was designed to galvanize, fortify, and bring our guys together after what we knew would be and what certainly was a tumultuous and, and transaction-filled offseason. The names that we've lost, the names that we have brought in would require a lot of chemistry to be built in a short amount of time. And so my biggest takeaway, Philly, from this preseason is how this preseason really did crescendo in the way that LAFC ended it playing what I believe was by far our most complete and best 90 minutes of the preseason and looking really good doing it with a lot of different pieces able to contribute. Still things to work on. Obviously, the careless turnovers, there. there's still plenty of work that needs to be done, but Preseason is now over. We have the regular season to look forward to. It starts off in a week at the Rose Bowl against Carson. And then we're back March 4th at BMO against the uh, the pesky pine trees of Portland. And we have a fair amount of home games at that point. So it's our opportunity to stack the W's and get as many points because one way or another, we need to defend the bank to repeat successfully in this league as supporter shields on that way to MLS cup, you get your points at home and you try to secure at the very least one on the road. Our schedule is stacked with home games to begin things. So that's going to bode well in our favor. And the fact that they're going to Coachella, I would say if you watch the Apple MLS content and you go through the cup club profile and all that other stuff, they went to Coachella last time, last season for that matter, um, for the very first time ever. And that bonding experience when the team was together out there, that's where they really came together and, and built a strong culture, a strong locker room, a mutual respect for everybody out there. Obviously, it worked so well that a bunch of other MLS teams decided to go out there and do this too. And that's why we had this Coachella Valley invitation going on. But I think things bode well in our favor. We still have new pieces that we're going to pick up at some point. There's still question marks along the lines of Mamadou Fall and how much, if anything, that we're going to sell him the Villarreal for. We'll see what the story was with uh, Jose Cifuentes and Chiqui Palacios. But don't get too married to this team because there are going to be changes that are going to be made. That being the case, though, I think it was a very solid preseason, and I'm certainly looking forward to the game on the 25th against Carson. Look, it's only happened three times in MLS history that a, a team, a club, has gone back-to-back in winning the Supporters' Shield. It had actually never happened until 2006 when in 06 and 07, the United won. In 8 and 9, the Crew won. And in 10 and 11, Carson won. So we're talking back-to-back-to-back times. It happened, and it hasn't happened since, and it didn't happen before. So if Wait, who did you say is your second one? It was DC United 96 and 97 that actually did it. Uh, Houston not, was 06 and 07. Not, not the supporter shield. Oh, oh, like that. I'm sorry. I just I, I was thinking just back-to-back MLS. Okay. My, no, my no, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Supporter shield. It was United in 06 and 07, Crew in 08 and 09, and then Galaxy in 10 and 11. Yeah. Those are the only times that it's ever happened. That, that yeah, and then just to piggyback off you, not to interrupt, but like the MLS Cup being repeated – that yeah. only happened three times as well. 96-97, D.C. United, uh, Houston Dynamo, believe it or not, 06-07, and yes, Carson 11-12. and 12. 
Yeah, it's it's not easy to do is what no. we're saying, people. And mm-hmm. so we got a lot on our plate. We have a lot of aspirations. But look, that's the beauty of being supporters of this club in Major League Soccer is that we are nothing if not aspirational in the way that we go about our business. And it is so incredible to be able to support a team that is trying to not just win MLS Cup, to not just win or capture the Supporters' Shield, but to win Champions League, to win League's Cup, to win Campeones Cup, to win Open Cup, all the cups, all the time. Philly's got his shield. Philly's got his cup. We've got episode 231. And and again, everybody, black out the Rose Bowl. No green. We wear black. Black out the Rose Bowl on the 25th, people. We've got at least... Uh, one more sleep over on YouTube. And if you're not following us over on YouTube at Defenders of the Bank on YouTube, we've got at least a one more sleep to put up on YouTube. And and if we've got time before the Rose Bowl match, Philly and I are going to try to do a fun little segment on the 29, I believe, MLS kits that have come Correct. out in this last off season, just the last couple of days, Orlando unveiling the wall kit. Has anybody seen Montreal's? kit did it did it happen have they dropped the i don't recall seeing a, montreal's kit i, I don't require i don't re- uh, recall seeing montreal's kit as well i think they were the last ones uh to unveil their their kit i i haven't i haven't, I haven't seen that thoughts orlando is oh, oh. the last orlando did theirs on the the the, the wall the what it, what san jose's it? kit is very nice oh it's nice that they have a sponsor good for them that means they're doing all right in this world this is the this is the Foot Clan, right? Uh, Foot. <laughs> yeah, no Foot Clan jersey. That's they're the only at least one. not on the MLS Instagram. Okay, so Club Club de Foot has has yet the the Foot Clan, dude. If they ever did a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Foot Clan style jersey, I would buy that in two seconds. I'm sorry, I don't even care. I would do it. I don't care about Montreal, but seven twenty. Yeah, twenty eight jerseys. It's not there. Huh? Interesting. All right, Montreal, you're on the clock. And that being said, Philly, we're going to get off the clock. This has been episode 231 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. And thank you for listening. And you know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.